everybody. I, I'm glad you are back tonight to join us in tonight's message, tonight's Bible study. I'll give just a few minutes and let some more people uh, find us on Facebook, and then we'll get started. Once again, I want to say thank you to uh, Brother Jeff for uh, doing the Sunday School, for Ben and the Dubois family, and for Grayson for the help that he has uh, put into this, and for Samantha and Damon, everybody that's worked to make sure that our live stream uh, feeds or productions or whatever you call them are working because if it was up to me, we, we would be in trouble when it comes to technology. But I'm thankful God has put those people in our church family and they're willing to serve and use the gifts that God has given them. Now, what I want you to do tonight, I want you to take your Bibles, turn to Psalm 119. Many of you know that psalm. I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. Hang on. They're saying there's no sound. Why do we not have sound? I don't know. Me neither. Stand by. Do we have sound now? All right, outstanding. Okay, back to what I was saying. Take your Bibles, turn to Psalm 119. Many of you, I'm sure, are familiar with this uh, uh, psalm, this chapter in God's Word. I want to talk to you tonight about the importance of personally studying God's Word, especially in the time that we're in right now. Many people uh, in quarantine and practicing the social distancing, you've probably got more time on your hands than you know what to do with. Well, there's no better time than right now with the time that you have and that the extra time you have to get studying deep into God's Word. So I want to talk to you tonight about the importance of personally studying the Bible, personally studying God's Word. I want to start using the springboard, verse 105 in Psalm 119. Look with me. It says that thy word, speaking of God's Word, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Father, tonight as we study your word, open our hearts, our minds, speak to us what it is we need to know. I pray that our hearts are soft and, and moldable and that our minds are open to hear from you in Christ's name. Amen. You know, I heard not long ago that the Bible is the book that's owned by more people in America than any other single book. That sounds great, but my question is, uh, all the people that own the Bible, how much do they really know about the Bible? Well, George Barna, the pollster, Christian pollster, Barna Research Group, they did a study, and here's some statistics I want to give you. 82% of people who own Bibles, 82% say the idea that God helps those that help themselves is taken directly from the pages of the Bible. No, it's not. 66% say there's no absolute truth in the Bible. Yes, there is. 63% can't name the four Gospels. 58% of people who own the Bible can't name half or more of the Ten Commandments. 58% who own the Bible don't know Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. 52% they don't know the book of Jonah is in the Bible. 48% don't know the book of Thomas is not in the Bible. And 39% don't know Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now, when I hear statistics like that, it reminds me of a Sunday school teacher I heard about. She had a group of uh, uh, elementary age little boys that she was teaching, and she asked them, she said, boys, tell me, who was it 
who went into the lion's den and came out unhurt. Well, one little boy raised his hand real quick. She said, Tommy, who was it? He said, Tarzan. Now, I think a lot of people, just because they own a Bible, uh, they think that they have done something correct or they've done something right. Folks, the truth is, far too many people, including Christians, they have a Bible in their home, but they don't have the Word of God in their heart. That's a tragedy. I want you to look at the verse 162 here in Psalm 119. The psalmist tells us, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. You know what he's saying? He's saying that God's word is a treasure chest, and, and it's filled uh, with great treasure, with silver, with gold, with jewels of joy, and it's right there for the taking for anybody who's willing to mine out the riches. Now, as you know, Psalms is a Hebrew hymn book, and 119th Psalm here is the longest song recorded. It's the longest chapter in the Bible, 176 verses. And this entire song, this entire chapter, this uh, every one of these 176 verses, they deal with one thing, and that's the Word of God. Now, I want you to see in a portion tonight several of these scriptures that I'm going to use. I want you to see some great truths that share with us the importance of personally studying God's Word. And the first truth I want to give to you is we need to personally study God's Word because we need the Bible to guide us. Now, back in verse 105 again, let's look at that verse one more time. Your word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. Now, of course, the psalmist is talking about God's word. I've told you before, those of you who are members of my church, you, you know this. I've told you before that men wrote the words. They penned the words, but God is the author of the Bible. That's why Peter says in 2 Peter 1 and verse 21, he says, for prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So the Bible, the book that we have before us that we're studying tonight, folks, it's not only a book of miracles, it is a miracle book. And you may not know this, but the Bible's name actually means book of books. And that's what the Bible is. It's 66 books in one. Uh, I've preached on this before. It's 66 love letters from God to you and me, and the diversity is the diversity of God's word is simply amazing. Sixty-six books written by forty different writers, living on several different continents, several different nations that range from Palestine to Babylon to Greece to Rome to Asia Minor and perhaps even Arabia, and they wrote in three different languages: Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. They were separated in time by about sixteen centuries. Yet when the Bible, all these 66 books are brought together, they tell the same story from beginning to end. And when you study God's Word, you're going to realize the story that the Bible tells from beginning to end is a story all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folks, we're told here that God's Word is both a lamp and a light. It's a lamp to show us the next step we're to take. It's a light to light our direction, show us the direction that we're to go. Now, the psalmist, again, he's referring to how we should live our lives, and that's according to the light of God's Word. God's Word is a lamp and a light that shows you how and where you should go. But, friend, it's also a light and a lamp that shows you where you had better not go. Now, think about this. A lamp or a light, either one, for it to be effective, they have to be turned on. So here's the thing I want you to grasp. It is your choice, all right? You can either go through life stumbling in the darkness, or you can use God's Word, you can apply God's Word to your life, and step, each step you take in the light 
of God's Word. So it's either darkness or it's light. Now here's the beautiful thing about God's Word. Maybe you never thought about this, but the Bible's a light that never goes out. It's a lamp that can never be extinguished. <clears throat> I was reading uh, uh, yesterday or day before about uh, an experiment they did. They took 20 trained aviators, 20 trained pilots, and these guys were exceptional pilots. Now, the only problem with these guys was they flew by sight. They had never been trained to fly by instruments, by instrumentation. So they only flew by sight, by what they could see. They took these exceptional pilots, 20 of them, and they put them in a simulator. And in this simulator, what they did, they had them fly through storms and clouds and rain and all these other things. Now, these 20 pilots, again, they were very experienced. Uh, they had great reflexes. I mean, they were skilled aviators. But none of them lasted more than three minutes in the simulator. Now, the point I want to make to you is this, folks. I believe that most of us, we handle life pretty well when the conditions are good. But when the darkness comes, when the clouds begin to form, when the thunder rolls and the lightning flashes and times are uncertain, we need more than just what we feel in our gut. We need more than what we can think in our head and what other people tell us to think in our head. And heaven knows we need more, folks, than just sappy, silly sentiment. What we need in uncertain times, what we need when the storms come, we need the sure, bright light of God's Word to guide us. But now, while I'm on this point, let me also say this. As God teaches you and as God teaches me uh, the way we should go as He guides us by the light of His Word, in turn, we ought to take that light and that guidance that God gives to us and we ought to teach it to others. So as you study God's Word, you get the guidance from God, you get that revelation from God's heart. In turn, you need to share that truth with others. You need, Christian, to teach somebody else God's Word. And let me say this, I, I'm a firm believer, I'm convinced of this. Every Christian should not only be personally studying God's Word, they ought to be sharing God's Word with others. I mean, think about it, folks. All you have to do to teach somebody else is, is uh, I guess, simply know more than they do about a topic. You know, it reminds me of a, a guy I heard about. He stepped out and talked to his neighbor, and his neighbor was training his dog. And he said, John, how did you, how are you able to teach your dog so many tricks? And his neighbor, John, said, well, the first secret is you got to know more than the dog. Well, friend, listen to me. <coughs> As you study the Bible, you're going to find out that the more you study and the more you discover, you're going to find out you know a whole lot more than those who never study God's Word, and you need to share that truth with them. So again, point number one, truth number one is we need the Bible to guide us in certain times and uncertain times. Number two, the second truth I want you to see is we read the Bible in order to grow us, to mature ourselves. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 2, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. Now I think everybody listening to me probably understands this point here. If a child, say a little child, a baby, if they fail to eat, it's going to stunt their growth. It's going to cause them to lose strength. They're going to be weak. It's going to cause them to become susceptible to disease, to malnutrition, even to death. 
And just as babies need that physical milk to grow, Christian, and I know you've heard this before, but I think every one of us need to be reminded of it from time to time. Just as babies need that physical milk for physical growth, you and I need that spiritual milk to grow and to mature in the Christian faith. But listen to me, Christian, just as a baby goes from milk to meat, you and I need to go from the milk of God's Word to the meat of God's Word. We shouldn't stay babies forever. That's why Paul writes to the church at Corinth in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 2. He says, I fed you with milk and not solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able to receive it. Now it's sad, but here's the truth. Many Christians are still babies in the faith. Now they have been born again believers for years and years, but because they fail to feed themselves on God's word on a daily basis, they're still immature. They're still babies in the faith. Now, I'm not talking about people who are recent uh, Christians who recently accepted Christ. I'm talking about people who've been Christians for years and years, but they're still immature believers because they don't see the need of feeding themselves daily from God's Word. And the sad thing is that a lot of these people I'm talking about, the only time they eat is once, maybe twice a week. When they do get to come to church, they do get to hear a pastor preach or teach uh, from God's Word. And then these people, many times, these mature, immature people that I'm talking about, they expect the pastor to bottle feed them and then burp them on the way out. Now, folks, I'm going to say it again. One of the purposes of reading God's Word is so that you may grow, so that you may mature. As a matter of fact, you cannot grow in your Christian life if you do not read the Bible. Look at verse 99 of this psalm. The psalmist tells us that the, the reading of the Bible gives more wisdom, more insight, than education. Look at what he says. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. Many years ago, there was a professor at Yale University, and he said this. He who knows the Bible may be called well-educated, and he who is not acquainted with the Bible is an ignorant man, regardless of what knowledge he may possess. Furthermore, Go ahead and look at verse 100. The Bible gives more insight than experience does. Notice what the psalmist says. He said, I understand more than the ancients or the aged because I keep your precepts. Now, I know everybody's probably heard this old saying, experience is the best teacher. Well, that's not true, folks. The Word of God is the best teacher. And in reality, what the psalmist here is saying is someone who knows the Word of God, they may be young physically uh, in age, and yet no, no far more than a senior adult who does not know the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you, over the years in the ministry, I have seen some young folks in the church who are more spiritually mature, more in tune with God than some of us older adults because they spent more time with God and spent more time with God in His Word. Do you know that there's a vast difference, folks, between age and maturity? Age, that is a quantity of years. But maturity, folks, that is the quality of spiritual growth. Uh, the novelist F. Scott Fitzgerald once wrote about people who go from one childhood to another. And we have those kinds of people in church today. Uh, they don't know the difference between childlike and childish. And I have known people like that in my ministry over the years. People that just grew old but they didn't grow up. The Bible, and understand, it was not written just for information. It was written for our transformation. And let me tell you how this happens. When a child of God reads the Word of God and sees the Son of God on the pages of the Word of God, then he is transformed by the Spirit of God into the image of God for the glory of God. 
That's the transformation that God's word brings to a Christian's life. Well-known Bible teacher Warren Wiersbe made a statement I think we all need to remember. He said the purpose of Bible study is not to brag or argue or debate about what we know or to split Sunday school classes or churches. And I love this. The purpose of Bible study is to live righteous, godly lives. Folks, I'm telling you, it is a tragedy to hold such transforming power as the Word of God in our hands and not allow that power to enter into our hearts and transform our lives. In these 66 books that we call the Bible, folks, we have God's plain, understandable message to the human race. And let me be very clear, you don't need a professional to decipher it for you. Even a five-year-old child can understand it. You see, the question is not whether or not God's Word is readable. The question is whether God's Word is read. Now, let me say this. I want you to think about this. An unread Bible, it's about as much use as an undiscovered treasure. I remember the story of an uh, uh, elderly man who owned, owned a vineyard, and he had two sons that were loafers and layabouts, and they were convinced that their daddy was a very rich man because their dad, he kept his mouth shut, kept it secret, never said a whole lot. And they thought, well, all we have to do is hang around until the old man dies, and then we'll collect that inheritance. Then we'll be rich. Well, when the man was on his deathbed, he called his sons, to his bedside, and he told them, he said, boys, the secret of my wealth is found in that vineyard. Well, after he died, the boys immediately went to that vineyard and began to dig, hoping to find that treasure. I mean, they turned up the ground everywhere. They turned it and turned it again. They were careful not to destroy the vines because that was the family's livelihood, but they were looking for that treasure. So they turned up every piece of earth they could. They cleared out all the weeds, cleared out all the grass, but they never discovered that treasure. Well, when fall came, something amazing happened. That vineyard produced a crop of grapes greater than the family had ever seen before. Now, they realized at that time what their wise daddy had done. He had forced them to stop loafing and stop being a layabout and waiting for money to come. Instead, what he did, he tricked them to go out and cultivate the vineyard. And the secret of his wealth was the vines, which properly cared for would make them boys rich beyond their imagination. Well, Christian, listen to me. We have a vineyard that will produce unbelievable spiritual wealth to us, but we have to work for it. We have to dig into it. We have to get into it. Now, here is the truth. Many of us are in the first grade of spiritual growth, and we need to go on into high school in our spiritual growth. Some are in high school and need to go on into college into spiritual growth. Some are in college and need to go into graduate school. And still some are in graduate school and they need to begin teaching others. That's why it's so important that we study God's Word. We read the Bible in order to grow us, to mature us. But there's a third truth I want to give you. I want you to look at verse 110. We need to obey the Bible to guard us, to protect us. Our lives. Look at verse 110. The psalmist says, The wicked have laid a snare for me, yet I have not strayed from your precepts. The psalmist here, <coughs> folks, is telling us that, that if we will obey God's word, we're not going to fall into the snares and the traps that the devil's laid for us. Now, I think you'll agree with me. This world is filled with traps for the Christian. Satan has landmines of sin everywhere you go. That's why we must not only see the light, from God's word, but we must obey the light. What I mean by that, 
follow what God's Word teaches us. In other words, if you do not follow, if you don't apply God's Word to your life, it doesn't do you any good. Now, I want you to remember this. Application, uh, let, let me put it this way. Without application, all you have is information, and there'll never be any transformation. There must be application of God's Word if your life is going to be transformed. Now, let me share with you two great verses on how God's Word guards our hearts and guards our lives. Look back at verse 9 of chapter 119. The psalmist asked the question, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Now look at verse 11. He also says, Your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, folks, I'm going to tell you something personally about me. I think most of you know this. I have been working. Uh, actually, I've been working for about a year or so, but I've been working a lot lately on trying to become a computer literate, trying to understand more about all this technology. One of the reasons is because the situation we're in right now, uh, I need to learn more about it. So I've been doing some reading on it and, and trying to learn all that I can. I've realized I've still got a whole lot more uh, to learn. There's, there's a whole lot more I don't know than what I do know. But I do know this uh, about a computer or about a phone or, or a tablet, whatever it may be. You have a hard drive or you have a memory in these devices. And when that hard drive or that memory is full, I've learned this. You're not going to put anything else in it. You can't download, upload, whatever it is, any other file if that hard drive or that memory is full. Well, let me say this to you, Christian. Likewise, with us, when our hard drive, when our memory is full of the Word of God, the devil cannot find any place to upload, download, to store his wicked files. Somebody said this one time. They said, read the Bible to be safe, believe it to be wise, practice it to be holy. I believe that's pretty good advice. I want you to look at verses 133 because the psalmist goes on to say, direct my steps by your word and let not iniquity have dominion over me. Now it's simple what the psalmist is saying. He's saying if you allow God's word to direct your steps, no iniquity, no sin or lawlessness uh, will have dominion over you because uh, you, if you study, if you read God's word, apply God's word, then you're never going to be in the wrong place, at the wrong time, or the wrong people doing the wrong thing. Let me share with you something else, folks. I've been talking about the importance of personal Bible study, but I want to talk to you about how you should study. And let me give you the first principle to follow. First of all, study the Bible continuously. Now, what I mean by that is read all of it. Read not just the New Testament, but read the Old Testament as well. There are a lot of folks that have spent so much time reading the New Testament, but they skip the Old Testament because they say, well, that's Old Testament. That really doesn't apply. Well, I beg to differ. Now, if you're a member of Southside Baptist Church, you know better than this because you've heard me preach uh, from the New Testament, the Old Testament. You've heard me teach from the New Testament and the Old Testament. Folks, it's all God's Word. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And he said, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So study God's Word continuously. But then study God's Word consistently. What I mean by that is do it every day. Make it a daily thing that you do. And I want you to remember this old saying. I'm sure you heard it before. Either the Bible is going to keep you away from sin or sin is going to keep you away from the Bible. Then there's a third way. You need to study God's Word confidently. 
I want you to look at verse 18 of Psalm 119. And it's a beautiful verse. The psalmist says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Friends, study God's word constantly. What I mean by that is, you ought to read the Bible believing God's going to speak to you and God's going to show you truth and God's going to guide you in the right way. Approach Bible study constantly. But there's a fourth way. Finally, you ought to study the Bible conformingly. That is, you, you ought to... You ought to learn from God's Word, and what you learn, you ought to obey. You ought to put it into practice in your life. Conform your life to the standards of God's Word, or it doesn't do you any good. Let me illustrate it this way. I grew up in a family of builders, a family of carpenters. Uh, we, we did everything from build cabinets to build a few houses, room addition, things like that. Now, I learned a lot about a, a lot of things in construction. And one of the things I learned about, a little bit about, was concrete, uh, doing concrete work. I actually learned that that's hard work, and I like building cabinets a whole lot better. But I did learn a little bit about concrete work. And I learned that once you clear the ground and get the ground ready, the next thing you got to do is set the forms, whether it be 2x10s, 2x12s, or you're building uh, plywood forms, because your form's going to dictate the length, the width, and the depth of that finished product, of that slab that you're trying to pour. And once you set those forms, an amazing thing happens when you pour that concrete in. That concrete follows those forms and begins to flow and follow those forms and allows the forms to set the boundary for the concrete. And when it's a finished product, that concrete will be what that form is, the right uh, width, the right length, and the right height. You say, preacher, why are you you're talking about concrete? Well, folks, listen to me. God has a form of truth that he has given us, and it's called the Bible. It's his word. And if we will pour a soft heart and a surrendered life into that form, God will see to it that that heart and that life takes the shape of his word, of his truth. He'll see to it that we become just like him, just what he wants us to be. The word of God will conform us and form us to what God expects of us. Now let me say one last thing here. There's one difference between the Bible and every other book that has ever been written in history. And here it is. I've said this before. In order to understand the Bible, you've got to know the author. Now every other book that's ever been written, you can read it and understand it without knowing the author. But you cannot understand the Bible if you don't know the author of the Bible. The thing that you got to do, folks, with the Bible is you've got to get from the pages of the Bible to the person the pages are talking about. Now, Jesus himself said this to the Pharisees in John 5, verse 39. He said, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. Now, let me say this. When you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ through the pages of the Bible, through the pages of God's Word, it is incredible the transformation that will take place in your life. In closing, I want to share a, a true story with you. I actually want to read a letter. In his outstanding book, Our Sufficiency in Christ, John MacArthur shares a letter that he received from a young woman. Let me read this letter to you about the transformation power of God's Word. She said, I'm a 27-year-old female. When I was 14, I began to experience depression uh, and experience it frequently. I was not a Christian, nor was I raised by Christian parents. 
My depression continued as I grew older, and as a result became worse as time passed. I became a chronic suicide case. When I was 20, I went to a psychiatrist. He diagnosed me as, having, as being a manic depressive. He put me on lithium, told me I would be this way for the rest of my life. The drug therapy kept me from going into severe suicidal depression. However, the deep feelings of depression and despair were still a reality. I finally came so low that there was nowhere to turn, and I looked to the Lord. I heard the Christian life was supposed to be the only way to live, but God was not real to me. I decided I was going to seek God with my whole heart. Then if I found this to be nothing but an empty endeavor, I was going to give up on life. I fed up on tapes of your Bible teaching. The Lord began His work in me through His Word. The Holy Spirit showed me just exactly what my problem was and what I needed to do about it. My problem was sin, a heart that would not forgive, and it was making me bitter. I turned to the Lord and asked Him to help me forgive. I continued in His Word diligently, and the transformation process took place. The Lord delivered me from the depressive illness. The memorizing of Scripture has renewed my mind. This is the only key for anyone suffering emotional problems because it is the living Word of God. It is the supernatural power to transform anyone's life and mind. No doctor, no drugs can do what the Bible has done for me in changing my life. Then she adds a P.S., she says, by the way, I've been off all medication for three years. And obedience, she's talking about obedience to the Word of God. Obedience is the key. Friend, listen to me. That's why it's important for you to personally study God's Word. Because it'll change you. It'll change you from the inside out, from the outside in. It will transform you and conform you into what God wants you to be. Now I want to say this before I close. In this time that we have right now, and I mentioned it when I first began the message tonight, many of us have some extra time on our hands. Well, it's a good time to get some deep studying in on God's Word. Christian, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm talking to, to all Christians, but specifically those of you who are members of, of the church here, Southside Baptist Church, I want you to listen to me. If you expect to be stronger in your Christian faith when all this nonsense is over, stronger when it's over than it was before it began, then you need daily to get involved in God's Word. You need to spend time personally discipling yourself. Now, let me take it a step farther. When you study and God reveals those truths to you, and you're discipling yourself, and you're feeding yourself spiritually and growing and maturing each day, you need to in turn disciple others. Now, if you're a parent, you got children in the house with you. It's a good time, if you haven't been doing this, it's a good time to disciple your children and grow them in the truth of God's Word. Remember, God's Word is a lamp under your feet and a light under your path. Let's pray. Father, as always, I praise you for who you are. I thank you for your goodness, for your grace. I thank you that uh, you love us beyond all of our understanding. You love us so much that you preserved your word for us to this very moment here tonight. God, I thank you for the power that it has, how it encourages us, how it guides us, uh, how it will mold and conform us and transform us if we allow it to do so. I pray for those that are watching <coughs> or listening tonight that, Father, maybe they don't know you. 
I pray as they study your word and read your word that the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ becomes alive in the very hands and it gets from their head down into their heart. Father, I, I praise you that we're never alone, that you're always with us. I praise you that you speak to us from your word, that you speak tenderly to our hearts. God, I pray for those who are involved in, in this uh, stuff that's going on, for those that are sick, for those that are working uh, in the medical field, and, and those that are doing the housekeeping in the hospitals, those who are vulnerable. God, I pray that they would know you in a real way. They would know your peace and know your comfort. Father, we love you. I pray that as a church family, we will feed ourselves, disciple ourselves, and grow stronger as individuals, thereby we would be stronger as a church family. In Christ's name, amen.